It wasn't a large boat, but the other slaves settled as far from me as they could. All they knew of me was that I tended, when I was on the ground during rest periods, to lash out with both feet together. As we settled in, the slave trader looked over at me. He pinched his nose thoughtfully and said aloud to Gorgias, A lamb, they said. No more trouble than snatching up a little lamb. Local kidnappers hate him. Click here for one cheap trick. It's, 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 it's kicking people. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Noelle. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to get you through the wait for Return of the Thief. It's June 14th, 2020. Like three weeks ago or a month ago, we were starting this book and we were like, is Sophos an unreliable narrator at all? I don't know, but he is so much. Yeah. This this whole chapter, he's like, oh, I was so humiliated by the fact that the guy backed away from me carefully because it was ridiculous when the guy is doing that because he's scared of Sophos because Sophos is fighting so hard. Yeah. It's funny that Sophos spends so much time comparing himself unfavorably to Jen, like in the last chapter he was saying, like, uh, you know, I had, I had always practiced swearing like Jen did once, and I, like, swore at all those servants, but I'm sure I just sounded stupid. But here, uh, when, he's, when he narrates what you were referring to, he says, I had seen Pole, captain of my father's guard, treat an angry Eugenides once with the same caution and for good reason. And then he says it was ridiculous that Bazar's to treat me so. So he genuinely doesn't see that he is viewed with all the respect that Eugenides is, or was, for the same reason. In all this thinking time he has in this chapter, he spent it uh, cataloging my mistakes, unfairly blaming Turvey for not warning me the villa might be burned, hating Hyacinth and the slaver and all his men, and most of all, with excoriating rage, myself. He's obviously doing damage here when he's, every time anybody gets near him, he's kicking, he's elbowing, and uh, it's enough that people are giving him a wide berth, but he's just not registering the damage that he's doing. Like, you're so, <laughs> you're so... Uh, wrapped up in your own low self-esteem that you don't realize when you have broken a man's nose. The kidnapping plan is smart. I'll give him that. Yeah. It's a simple idea. Another, an, a kidnapping hack. This kidnapping, the, the burning of the villa and the kidnapping attempts happen on the same day of the assassination attempt against his uncle. So he says here explicitly, you know, he w- the uncle was supposed to have been killed and he would have been installed as a puppet in his place. But the uncle does not die yet. He escapes this one. So things aren't quite going as planned, even though this kidnapping went great, all things considered. I'm kind of interested in, is Basris involved in this? just for money or for more than money and i don't know if we ever get an answer to that but he seems pretty committed he's <laughs> he says <laughs> if sophos doesn't let them take the gag out so he doesn't like choke to death on his own vomit in this boat he says uh if 
Silphus tries to tell people who he is. He says, I swear by my god, I will slit the throat of every man on this boat but Gorgias. I'll slit their throats and dump them into the sea to keep this secret, and I will never give it another thought. Do you believe me? Maybe he's just really, really professional. Maybe he's being paid a lot of money, or... The whole boat thing and being seasick is just a nightmare. I worked on a boat for two days, and I didn't think that I was somebody who got seasick, but it was a boat that did whale watches, and I was so... Like, I was working in the little galley area where they sold drinks and food and stuff, so I was standing right next to one of those rotating things of hot dogs. Horrible. It was terrible. I went and worked retail instead, which, uh, you know, at least the floor didn't pitch underneath me. This is two chapters in a row where Sophos has uh, mentally insulted somebody for being stupid. In the last chapter, he's like, God, Hyacinth is even stupider than I thought he was. And then in this chapter, uh, he sees this acquaintance of his and he's thinking about how freaking stupid she is. And I think that that's such an interesting thing about him that he's he's so self-deprecating. But he's also just, he's a little bit mean. Yeah. But what's interesting comparing him to Jen in this way also is that he's only ever mean on the inside. He's never in the light <laughs> or anything like that. And he's just like, like he doesn't have leniency for anybody really. He just has high, high standards. His, you know, his education and his book learning is what he identifies himself by. You know, he hasn't mm -hmm. succeeded in this, this martial world, but what he does have to be proud of is his learning and his everything he developed with the Magus. Mm -hmm. So I think it makes sense for him as a person that he can, you know, it's in character. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that, that it's like his one thing to be proud of. Yeah. But also, okay, Barone bought a normal piece of string being convinced <laughs> that it's a magic amulet to prevent things from being lost. We can judge in this situation. Let her have fun, Caitlin. <laughs> She's like your aunt that's really into crystals. Yeah, this poor girl. It emphasizes how different things are for Sophos now, immediately, now that he's suddenly this different person. Because before, Brion was like, oh, it's Brion. Uh, but now, s the stakes are so high. And the, the consequences of her, her act, like he's suddenly in the hands of this person mm -hmm. who he thought was uh, kind of useless. Um, he narrates that, how did you say her name? I said, I say it Barone, but I don't know if that's it. I said Barone. I want to pronounce the E, but every time I try, it, uh, it doesn't work out for me. It just sounds bad. Baroni. Baroni. Uh. Sounds like macaroni. <laughs> so he narrates, Barone and I had danced together just a few months earlier at a reception my mother arranged in the capital. It had been a failed attempt to reconcile me with my uncle and my father. I'd been, as usual, paralyzed. That's relatable. Yeah, and the fact that he's 
referring to himself in this way in a story that he's telling to the woman that he is in love with. What's up with that? It's difficult to know, like, what point his relationship with Helen is at right now. Like, they had met and then they had exchanged letters. And we don't know the intensity of those letters. But I think there was kind of an understanding, as they would say in Jane Austen. But I don't know if he's at the at the point where, like, he's really comfortable with her and, like, feels like each of them really knows who the other is or if he's still, like, nervous with yeah. her or, or, or wishing he could impress her. Because even though they had exchanged a bunch of letters, they haven't seen each other in person since the thief. It's been, yeah. you know, years. He probably got taller. Yeah, I think she she has a whole paragraph about it or something later on being like, wow, he's buff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he, she... Oh no, he's uh, he She kind of appears a little bit in this. Uh, he narrates that his sister Inna says that Barone is the most beautiful girl of their acquaintance and he says, I suppose my personal affections alter my perceptions. As a little, you're more beautiful to eat it. Yeah, I love how he's just subtly like, by the way, I'm in love with you. <laughs> uh, he, he's, <laughs> he has to like look at it sideways. Oh, there's that part where he like defends her beauty. Yeah. Oh. And the whole narration around it has a, like he wants to tell her that he did that, but also he's embarrassed too. Oh, I'm so excited to get oh, that. So good. I'm thinking more about how self-deprecating he is. I think it kind of acts like a a defense mechanism for him because he's been criticized mm-hmm. his whole life you know he's gonna get to it first before someone else can make him feel bad about <laughs> it yeah and he's being taken out of his life and his identity here and he's been kind of trapped in his role and people's perceptions of him and now he's he is suddenly a different person. He can kind of rebuild a new uh, self-identity. Yeah. Starting with a new face. <laughs> Starting with a new face. A new badass dashing face. Yeah, they beat the life out of him at the beginning of this chapter. It sounds like they rearranged his entire face. Yes, everything is swollen. He can't even see. Yeah, Bazar says, Your own mother, I'm sorry, may she journey safely. Even she wouldn't know you. They also dye his hair. And cut they it. picked up some, uh, some dye at CVS. I don't know, just another sign. Like, this was well planned. Like, this was thought out. They had thought of all these things in advance. We don't really get an answer to this, I don't think. But what was the next step in their plan? Like, I mean, I obviously, he gets to Henaftos, and then what? Would they have hidden him then? Would they have tried to make him cooperate then? Like, I guess we know from this chapter <laughs> with that, like, they said it would be like picking up a little lamb. They didn't expect to have any trouble making him cooperate or installing him as a puppet king. But I am a little bit surprised, and I'm just wondering how would they have played that after you know, doing all of this to him. 
<laughs> you know, how was that going to work? And this is making me think, we heard a lot about how Atolia has always used being underestimated as, like, a weapon in her arsenal. Or whatever. But it's really working for Sophos pretty well here, too. And later. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone thought he's just this total wimp who only knows poetry, so he's not going to be any trouble. He can also kick. And the plan has gone awry, of course, but they don't know that yet. Liz, not yet dead. I really forget how all the details of this play out. <laughs> he meets back up with his father, and when does his uncle die? <laughs> I'm not qualified to be doing this. Oh, Sophos is so injured that he should probably be just lying there. But he's still, like, writhing and kicking and elbowing and he doesn't he's just like of course I was still kicking Chapter 3. Next time, Sophos' prayers are answered. Sort of. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available.